there are two questionable holidays worth noting before the actual informational content begins in this edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. The first invites you to take a look at where you are right now, as it is Update Your Bio Day. I would update mine, but it's also National Lazy Day, so maybe I'll wait until next year. I'm Sean Tubbs, and who are you? Update away, and away with the update! On today's program, Charlottesville City Council has officially asked the Planning Commission to hold a public hearing on the draft zoning code. The top three police officers in the area give an update on public safety to the senior statesman of Virginia. And Albemarle County supervisors get a briefing on transportation projects, including cost escalations for a massive project in Crozet. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, since the beginning of this newsletter, one Patreon supporter has dedicated their shout-out to an organization that seeks to draw awareness of the importance of native species to the ecosystem. As summer continues, plant Northern Piedmont natives want you to know they printed over 9,280 copies of their guide, Piedmont Native Plants, a guide for landscapes and gardens. In this guide, Piedmont native plants are defined as those that evolved before the influence of European settlements, which shaped and changed the landscape. Plants included in the guide were selected from the Digital Atlas of the Virginia Flora and occur naturally within the region. Why not become 9,281 and download your copy today for free? For over three and a half years, the city of Charlottesville has been conducting an overhaul of its land use policies in order to increase density. On Monday, City Council took another step towards completing the process by officially directing the Planning Commission to make up with a formal recommendation on how to proceed. Here's James Fries, the city's director of Neighborhood Development Services. This is the third part of our overall CVAL plans together effort. The resolution officially starts the clock for the Planning Commission to hold a public hearing on what's being called the Development Code. That includes both the new zoning ordinance and the new subdivision ordinance. This uh, action tonight is a requirement of state law uh, and and our existing zoning code, which require that uh, the council refer these items to the city council, or I'm sorry, to the Planning Commission. The Planning Commission has 100 days to get back to you with a recommendation. The referral came before a consolidated draft has been released to the public that had been intended to be available the week of July 24th, but has now been delayed for additional legal review. We are really at the point of any day now. We are expecting it this week. I will say that we are working through that last couple of issues, trying to make sure that we have this thing buttoned up so that everything is ready to come to the Planning Commission and Council. Fries said the objective is to get the development code approved by the end of the year. There will be at least one new member of the Planning Commission. Council has extended the deadline to apply for the seat vacated by Liz Russell earlier this year until the end of August. At least seven people had applied before the previous deadline, but Council did not make a selection. A joint work session is scheduled for August 29th to review the final draft. That's the fifth Tuesday rather than the fourth Wednesday. Fries told the Planning Commission that that meeting will go over the adoption process in detail. The past two years have seen an uptick in the amount of violent crime in the Charlottesville-Albemarle area, mirroring a national trend. During that time, there have also been leadership changes in the city and county's police departments. 
Yesterday, the senior statesman of Virginia invited both Albemarle Police Chief Sean Reeves and Charlottesville Police Chief Michael Kotchis to join University of Virginia Police Chief Tim Longo to give an update and to answer questions. Moderator Bob Beard cited a June 12, 2023 story in the Charlottesville Daily Progress that reported that violent crime rate is up 30% over a two-year period. In Charlottesville Police, we're investigating five homicide cases within the first three months of the year, the highest number reported since 2017. Longo served as Charlottesville's police chief from 2001 to 2016. He has been UVA's Associate Vice President for Safety and Security and Chief of Police, since November 2019. Longo said he does not put a lot of stock in the numbers. I appreciate numbers. I'm not a numbers guy. Um, people say, well, what's the stats on such and such? Well, who cares? Do you feel safe or not? Because it doesn't matter whether it's 30% or 1%. In the end of the day, you don't feel safe in your home, in your school, in your church, in your shopping center, in your neighborhoods. That's all that matters. Sean Reeves has been Albemarle's police chief since March of 2022. He rose up through the ranks of the department. He said collaboration with both Charlottesville and the University of Virginia often takes the form of sharing information. But Reeves pointed out another data point relevant to public safety. Last year, uh, much like my counterparts, when I was sworn in the chief of police last March, we were operating with 30 officers down. And, and that's, that's a significant number. So over the past year, with our talented training and recruitment unit, with the support of our Board of Supervisors, we were able to, to um, make our starting salary a competitive salary. Reeves said that's allowed the force to retain some officers and attract others. Uh, I'm proud to announce that as of this August, we're hoping to be only two officers down from 30. Reeves said that of the six homicides in Albemarle in 2022, the victims and murderers knew each other. Chief Michael Kotchis said something similar. He began work in Charlottesville this past January. We've had five homicides in the city of Charlottesville since January. Um, but it, what's important to note, every one of those homicides uh, involved people who either knew each other, were acquainted with each other. They weren't random, okay? So the data will show you we had five homicides. What the data is not gonna tell you is the conversations we're having around the community with folks. When they're showing us bullet holes in their homes, plugged with tissue so the breeze don't come in. I mean, these are real stories. Want to learn more, including what the city of Charlottesville is doing about recruitment? The audio of the entire one-hour program is available for you to listen to on the Charlottesville Podcasting Network. Thanks to the Senior Statesman of Virginia for putting on the program. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle for 60 years has been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle with a study of ecology for over 20 years. 
If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting CampAlbemarleVA.org slash donate. Every three months, staff from Albemarle's Community Development Department checks in with elected officials on the status of transportation. This most recently happened at the Board of Supervisors meeting on August 2nd. Transportation planner Jessica Hirsch-Ballering noted that the Commonwealth Transportation Board's final vote on smart-scale projects this past June included a project to build a roundabout at District Avenue and Hydraulic Road. We're happy to see the roundabout added as it will improve the efficiency of the upcoming improvements at Hydraulic and 29. The Virginia Department of Transportation will administer that latter project, and a design public hearing for that was held last May. Albemarle staff are finalizing applications for revenue-sharing funds from VDOT, which require an equivalent payment from localities. In recent years, supervisors have approved the allocation of funding to provide this match. This time around, Albemarle has five pre-applications in the hopper, totaling over $15 million, but that will be reduced as the application deadline nears. Hirsch Ballering sought some feedback from the supervisors about how to proceed. Commonwealth Drive and Dominion Drive pedestrian improvements. The current revenue sharing request here is for half of $637,949 to close a funding gap for a project that has previously been awarded revenue sharing funds. Berkmar Drive extension at $27.2 million. This would continue Berkmar Drive to Airport Road, where it would meet with a roundabout to connect to Lewis and Clark Drive. The current request is for half of $6.3 million with previously received revenue-sharing funds in the account. Berkmar Drive bicycle and pedestrian improvements with a $12.1 million total cost. This would add about a mile of bike and pedestrian facilities on Berkmar Drive between Hilton Heights Road and Woodbrook Drive. The current request is for $4.7 million in revenue-sharing funds from VDOT. Lambs Lane Campus Loop Road. This has a total cost of about $8.3 million. The current request is for $1.69 million and would extend Lambs Lane to connect to Hydraulic Road via Georgetown Green, among other things. This is a recent project that has not yet received revenue-sharing application funds before, and a feasibility study has been completed. This feasibility study shows that some buildings might need to be relocated. For now, staff is recommending not making this application and doing that further study. And Eastern Avenue South. Here, the total cost estimate has climbed to $39.4 million. This project has already received about $8.1 million in previous revenue-sharing funds and would serve as a new north-south connector road in Crozet, including a new bridge over Lickinghole Creek. The request for this year is for $1.9 million, the maximum the county can request. Staff is recommending not making this application this year due to a lack of unidentified funding for the balance, but continuing to move the project forward. Supervisor Ann Malik has been advocating for Eastern Avenue South for many years and just learned of the large cost escalation. She said she was crushed. When I first started working on this, it was $1.5 million in 2008. And this is just a lesson to all of us to remember. When you don't act on things in the appropriate time, they get 
out of the question. I mean, this has been on the list since 1992. More than 2,000 dwelling units have been built in the space between Cory Farm on 250 and on 240, uh, where uh, there's a whole series of neighborhoods there. Malik said Crozet residents will suffer without the roadway as more homes are built in the area. She encouraged county staff to investigate other funding avenues, such as public-private partnerships. All those rezonings that were passed were based upon this bridge being built. Supervisor Ned Galloway pointed out that the Lambs Lane Loop Road has an overall larger scope. This project would convert the intersection of Georgetown Green and Hydraulic Road into a continuous green T and would also convert the entrance to Albemarle High School to a right-in, right-out only. We have to figure out a way to call that something that doesn't forget that it's actually attacking Hydraulic Road um, because that's a major congestion and safety item there. And if it's just the, if everybody thinks of that as just the internal road, when we're thinking of it decision-wise, that could be, you can't fix it without the internal road, really. Supervisors agreed with staff's recommendation on what projects to pursue in this round of revenue sharing. The elected officials also learned at this briefing that there would be a focus group that would work with the Virginia Department of Transportation on the pipeline study for the old Ivy Road, Ivy Road area. Get your survey in. That's the end of number 564. Will you still appreciate this newsletter and podcast when it gets to 664? That's 100 editions from this one, and I would guess we'll be there in February, maybe sooner. It all depends on how often I can sit down and just get to work. That work is paid for by paid subscribers, either through Substack, Patreon, or those who just want to send me a check. I acknowledge this setup is unusual, and I'm hopeful I'm eventually going to streamline this process. For now, I'm grateful that there are so many of you who want me to keep going. Thankfully, there are more of you than those who would want me to go away. I'm not going away. And to keep track of what I'm up to, do take a look at the Substack Notes section, either on the app or the website. That's where I say what's happening. What's happening? Vraki has a new track, not in this podcast. There are links in the newsletter. Thank you, Vraki. Thank you to Ting. Thank you to everybody. And thank you to me for saying goodbye. Goodbye.